Love this podcast? Support this show through the Acast supporter feature. It's up to you how much you give, and there's no regular commitment. Just click the link in the show description to support now. Hello, and welcome to another episode of the Aranex podcast, the podcast that focuses on the changes to the maritime shipping and ocean space. I'm Craig Eason, editor of Fathom World, and your podcast host. And with me today, for the second time, actually, is Danielle Doggett. She appeared on this podcast, oh, must have been about a year and a half ago, I think, when I spoke to her about plan she had to build a wooden cargo vessel in a jungle to sail it up and down the west coast of the USA, taking cargoes from Costa Rica up to Canada and anywhere else you could think of. Danielle, welcome back to the podcast. Hi, Craig. Thank you so much for having me back again. I guess I uh, didn't ruin the podcast interview last time, so thank you for having me on your show once again. You're welcome. Now, obviously, I was talking about a year and a half ago about the the Seba. Where are you with that? It looked like you were quite close to getting finished and you had a lot of plans, but you had a lot of things that you needed to get done yet. So where are you with the Seba at the moment? So our ship in Costa Rica is still being built. The team is progressing very well. They are currently working on the interior planking or ceiling planking, which can be uh, four inches thick of tropical hardwoods that are steam bent into place. So a massive amount of work that is being worked on by our team, which is up to around 40 people down there. Uh, Around 15 of them would be considered shipwrights or apprentice shipwrights. And that is progressing very, very well. When, when do you now? When do you now plan plan to get it into the water? Because it seems to be going well, but you seem to have hit a few obstacles. Yeah, it's not actually that we've hit some obstacles. It's that the company decided to shift a little bit of energy to actually acquire an existing ship, which is called Vega, and and invest a significant amount of our energy into getting Vega on the water now because we decided for the company that it was more powerful and impactful to start shipping sooner. And we had a lot of support from Cafe William, our largest uh, largest client, who are are their coffee importer. We received quite a lot of um, support and encouragement from them to get a ship on the water now. So really, Seba has suffered from a little bit of diversion, but in the end, it's to strengthen the company as a whole. Okay, so when's the new kind of launch date you could say for Sabre? The launch date is uh, still it's approximately 1.5 years from now. We did run into not any issues with shipbuilding but there are some issues more with the launch itself and so uh, we've been trying to acquire the shipyard and actually purchase that land to build a launch uh, launch launch railway marine railway um so the permits around that have been kind of dragging on and uh that that's posed a little bit more of a problem but the ship construction herself it's it's just moving forward very well so you've got vega which is able to take cargo now is it to demonstrate the meaning of your business model really to sort of offer 
cargo owners that want to have zero emissions, to have a clean supply chain, to be able to actually demonstrate that. But now you've got a new plan. Um, nothing like having a lot of things to do on your plate here. So you've now got a new company not wanting to have two projects on your hands. You've now gone for a third project called Veer. So this is a new idea that you've got. And this is why you're currently not in Costa Rica, but in Europe, in the Netherlands. I guess the weather's substantially different. But what are you doing in the Netherlands? What's Veer all about? Yeah, well, it's interesting. I, I do get, I have received some people questioning a little bit what I'm up to, because it does feel like to a lot of people that there are three independent projects going on here, but it's not entirely true. With Seba, that team is really quite independent moving forward, building the ship. And I don't have a lot of day-to-day -day, uh, responsibilities with Seba at this point. I'm more focusing on the communication, uh, collecting funds and investment and working with cargo owners to secure cargo for the future for all ships that would be for the Sail Cargo Inc. fleet. So that's the wooden ships. I'm currently here in the Netherlands because Vega, the Swedish ship that we just purchased, is undergoing a refit so that she can sail cargo. And we will be leaving very, very soon uh, to cross the ocean. And it's felt really great. Just earlier this week, our team actually uh, took some crowbars to the old galley and to the uh, some of the uh, cabins so that we've actually really... <laughs> I don't want to use too much language but very quickly and expeditiously got lots of things out of the boat and now we have uh, quite a large cargo hold so with vega we're going to be moving coffee in january for cafe william from columbia to new jersey so on the eastern seaboard but what i'm doing with veer is really in response to cargo owners that wanted to be able to ship a larger amount of cargo in a more standardized fashion primarily in shipping containers. So with Veer, I do maintain almost all of the same direction that I have for the past 12 years with my with my my work. Uh, but now we're just taking that to a little bit more of a commercialized and industrialized platform, which is using these steel vessels and containers. So what's going to be so dramatically new here for what the shipping industry is used to? Because container vessels are not new um, but I guess these are with sails on them a sail powered box ship is that right yeah yeah it's interesting uh, I get different approaches people asking me some will say this is so innovative we've never seen anything like this before and then the next conversation I'll have uh, you know we, was with the innovation forum for COP26 last year and they said we can't have you speaking, Danielle. You're not presenting anything innovative. And so I just laugh about that because um, in reality, I'm not presenting anything innovative, but I suppose it's in the way that these elements are being brought together that is an innovative, it ends up being a product that is a little bit unique. So we are building, we will be building 100 meter steel container ships using DynaRig. Uh, it is primary wind propulsion and a auxiliary engine of green hydrogen, or to use today's sort of pop culture terms, uh, hydrogen assist. Okay, so hydrogen assist with a DynaRig then. What's a DynaRig? Yeah, so DynaRig is a mature technology as quoted by uh, DNV. And uh, DynaRig is square sail 
technology taken sort of to the new level was actually originally designed by a German engineer in the 1960s. And it is square sail technology, uh, but reduced to the bare minimum. So freestanding without stays or shrouds. And the applications that we have today, which we can see on the Mega Yachts, Black Pearl and Maltese Falcon, is that you can be setting all these sails with the push of a button and you can set or douse all sail in up as little as six minutes. You meaning that you can collapse the sail. So if there's bad weather, you can sail on the hydrogen assist engine if need be with the sails collapsed, just the masts left upright. Exactly. What's the time span that you're looking at here and what do you need to get done? You mentioned before that you're still looking for some funding for this. Yes, absolutely. So right now with Veer, we are in the early stages of the company. It is registered in the Bahamas and we are currently accepting investment through a convertible note. Uh, we are actively yeah, seeking support for this at this point. And we will be looking at a later time for financing from shipyards. Our timeline is now that we have uh, received our approval and principal from the American Bureau of Shipping, we will be submitting uh, bid packages to shipyards that we've already toured uh, in a map by hopefully by the time this podcast is aired in two weeks from now. And if possible, if everything falls into place, we would love to have selected a shipyard by the end of this year. How long do you think it's going to take to build it? There are two components that we really need to talk about when we say how long will it take to build it. The multiple shipyards I've spoken to have indicated a build time for the hull to launch uh, as low as seven months, which sounds pretty quick to me, and uh, as long as 12 months to build the hull. But the other aspect or other part of this is the Dynarig itself, which will take approximately 18 months to, to, to fabricate, which includes some engineering, which is why we want to, uh, which is why we have engaged with Southern Spars to um, begin that phase of the engineering as soon as possible. So even if we haven't selected a shipyard yet, we can start cutting down on that 18 months delivery time. Do I understand right that there might be more than one of these vessels? Yes, absolutely. So if everything falls into place again, and I have to say that because we haven't had these conversations, these critical conversations with some shipyards yet, but if everything falls into place, we would be building two simultaneously or consecutively. And we have engaged with the architects, Dykstra Naval Architects, uh, with an agreement to build six. Six, that's, that's, a, that's, a, that's a significant uh, investment you're looking for and quite a large fleet of unique vessels that you're going to try and achieve. Yes, in a classic Danielle fashion, I will say something probably a little too, uh, <laughs> I should be, would be advised not to say. Uh, I would, with Veer, we aim to have the largest clean container fleet in the world and the largest green hydrogen fleet in the world. We also anticipate uh, registering all of our ships in the Bahamas in support of the green and blue economy goals that the Bahamas maintains as a government level, which would make the flag state of Bahamas the largest green uh, flag registry in the world. One of the things that I noted when we spoke about Sabre um, was the fact that you had a, a very close and very early relationship with the cargo owners. You mentioned the coffee companies, but I know I know that there are other cargo owners that you've been talking to. Would I be right in guessing this is a similar approach that you're taking with the Veer 
vessels, that your relationship with the cargo owners is as important as, as ever, and that you're looking for the kind of cargo owners that want to really maximize having a clean supply chain. You're absolutely correct. So yeah, in that same fashion, and just being, again, true to myself, maintaining a strong and building strong relationships with our stakeholders uh, is 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 a fundamental way that I move forward with all of these businesses and companies and ideas. So the way I move forward with clean shipping is maybe a little bit different from others. So I'm not pushing policy or subsidies or governments, not to say there's anything wrong with that. It's just not my way. So I work with private stakeholders and companies and the private sector to try to push things forward from another angle. I take inspiration from uh, Uber and Airbnb, not commenting on the actual companies, uh, but their approach where they came at that from the private sector was something so disruptive and innovative and positive for, for what moved forward to shake everything up that with the private sector, they actually pushed policy forward or rather policy was running to catch up with them. And so we are working very closely to develop relationships with cargo owners. We recently received a really wonderful uh, statement of support from the uh, cosmetics company Lush from the UK. So you can read about that in our recent press release. Um, But yeah, cargo owners and private sector are what will be pushing us forward. It's an interesting business model. I've spoken to some manufacturers and I've heard press releases or sorry, I've seen press releases and I've heard statements from companies who extend and sort of really try and promote their green credentials. But a lot of it comes across as greenwashing. Are you worried that you're going to be become part of a sort of a greenwashing campaign that they will, that companies might put one or two cargoes on a Veer vessel or a Seba vessel, but in reality, the larger part of their cargoes will go on more traditional because it's cost-effective for them. Is it cost-effective for them? Up to 60% of overhead costs of those vessels is fossil fuel consumption. Are you telling me that you're going to have a competitive rate compared to the last, some of the larger, larger companies? Well, one of the things that we will struggle with is the size of our vessel. So it's only 100 meters. This is not a giant Maersk ship. But when we look at the price of green hydrogen fuel, which again is just an auxiliary or assist, and we put in all the other factors that we have a knowledge about, uh, we should be able to compete in quite a competitive manner, financially speaking. But I I guess also with the companies that you are signing, you're signing reasonably long-term kind of charter arrangements. So there's a long-term arrangements to shift cargoes from one place to the other. Yeah, exactly. So I was going to say that in response to your greenwashing question is there's kind of two different answers, I would say. One is we will be looking for long-term contracts, absolutely, to support our financing. But at the same time, if a major corporation like Coca-Cola or whomever, that's just an example, want to ship green, why would I stop them? The simple fact about global trade is that there are, you know, a large number of very large vessels trading around the world on very significant routes. Um, but but it, we have to start somewhere, don't we? Yeah. And if for, for us, if we can ship... For, so I don't need to necessarily pay attention to what their numbers say, as long as they're not making claims that are, you know, uh, misconstrued in some way. But if, if they're shipping 1% of their cargo in a green way, and that fills our ships 100%, I mean, 
that that makes our ships feel pretty good. That makes our business plan look pretty strong, which would actually enable us to have conditions where we could expand our fleet. So absolutely. I mean, I'm not going to turn away a company just because they don't shift 100% of their cargo to us immediately. It's a transition for for everyone involved. And and finally, just in, in terms of the approach that you see or rather the the way the industry is is approaching you when you came onto the scene with Sabre it was significantly different but I've seen a large number of um, wind assist solutions and even um, other wind solutions are you seeing um, a significant change in acceptance of what you're doing and what other companies are doing in providing wind solutions to the shipping industry Yes, I can say that I have seen more acceptance. I think a lot of people, a lot of different players in the industry are pushing from all kinds of different angles. As I mentioned earlier, you know, there's policy, there's private sector, there's uh, engineers coming up with designs. There's all kinds of different players uh, pushing towards that. And it's definitely uh, increased. Absolutely. Thank you very much for coming on to my podcast a second time. Much appreciated it. Well, thank you so much for having me. I really uh, appreciate getting to share a little bit about Veer. And for those listening to the podcast, remember to subscribe to this podcast and go onto the Fathom World website and subscribe to our regular newsletter to make sure that you stay updated with all the change. So that's all for me for this time. Until the next time, goodbye. <laughs>